0: Hello, I'm Kevin Hayes, the Story Man. Welcome to the Nightly Bedtime Story Podcast, where you can hear a bedtime story every night. This story is for adults. It's called The Celebrated Jumping Frog of Calaveras County, written by Mark Twain. I hope you like it. The Celebrated Jumping Frog of Calaveras County, written by Mark Twain. In compliance with the request of a friend of mine who wrote me from the East, I called on good-natured, garrulous old Simon Wheeler and inquired after my friend's friend, Leonidas W. Smiley, as requested to do, and I hereunto append the result. I have a lurking suspicion that Leonidas W. Smiley is a myth and that my friend never knew such a personage and that he only conjectured that if I asked old Wheeler about him, It would remind him of his infamous Jim Smiley, and he would go to work and bore me to death with some exasperating reminiscence of him, as long and as tedious as it should be useless to me. If that was the design, it succeeded. I found Simon Wheeler dozing comfortably by the barroom stove of the dilapidated tavern in the decayed mining camp of Angels, and I noticed that he was fat and bald-headed and had an expression of winning gentleness and simplicity upon his tranquil countenance. He roused up and gave me good day. I told him a friend had commissioned me to make some inquiries about a cherished companion of his boyhood named Leonidas W. Smiley, Reverend Leonidas W. Smiley, a young minister of the gospel who he had heard was at one time a resident of Angels Camp. I added that if Mr. Wheeler could tell me anything about this reverend Leonidas W. Smiley, I would feel under many obligations to him. Simon Wheeler backed me into a corner and blockaded me there with his chair, and then sat down and reeled off the monotonous narrative which follows this paragraph. He never smiled. He never frowned. He never changed his voice from the gentle flowing key to which he tuned his initial sentence he never betrayed the slightest suspicion of enthusiasm. But all through the interminable narrative, there ran a vein of impressive earnestness and sincerity, which showed me plainly that so far from his imagining that there was anything ridiculous or funny about his story, he regarded it as a really important matter and admired its two heroes as men of transcendent genius and finesse. I let him go on in his own way and never interrupted him once. Reverend Leonidas W. Hmm. Reverend Lee. Well, there was a feller here once by the name of Jim Smiley in the winter of 49, or maybe it was a spring of 50. I don't recollect exactly somehow, though what makes me think it was one or the other is because I remember the big flume weren't finished when he first came to the camp. But anyway... He was the curiousest man about always betting on anything that turned up you ever see. If he could get anybody to bet on the other side, and if he couldn't, he'd change sides. Any way that suited the other man would suit him. Any way just so he got a bet, he was satisfied. But still, he was lucky. Uncommon lucky. He most always come out winner. He was always ready and laying for a chance. There couldn't be no solitary thing mentioned, but that feller'd offer to bet on it and take any side you please, as I was just telling you. If there was a horse race, you'd find him flush or you'd find him busted at the end of it. If there was a dog fight, he'd bet on it. If there was a cat fight, he'd bet on it. If there was a chicken fight, he'd bet on it. Why, if there was two birds sitting on a fence, he would bet you which one would fly first. Or if there was a camp meeting, he'd be there regular to bet on Parson Walker, which he judged to be the best exhorter about here, and he was, too, and a good man. If he even see a straddle bug start to go anywheres, he would bet you how long it would take him to get to, to wherever he was going to, and if you took him up, he would follow that straddle bug to Mexico, but what he would find out where he was bound for and how long he was on the road. Lots of the boys here have seen that smiley and could tell you about him. Why, it never made no difference to him he'd bet on anything. The dangdest feller. Parson Walker's wife laid very sick once, for a good while, and it seemed as if they weren't going to save her. But one morning he come in and Smiley up and asked him how she was, and he said she was considerable better, thank the Lord for his infinite mercy, and coming on so smart that with the blessing of providence, she'd get well yet. And Smiley, before he thought, says, well, I'll risk two and a half, she don't anyway. This year Smiley had a mare. The boys called her the 15 minute nag but that was only in fun you know because of course she was faster than that and he used to win money on that horse for all she was so slow and always had the asthma or the distemper or the consumption or something of that kind. They used to give her two or three hundred yards start and then pass her under way, but always at the very end of the race she'd get excited and desperate like and come cavorting and straddling up and scattering her legs around limber, sometimes in the air and sometimes out to one side amongst the fences, and kicking up more dust and raising more racket with her coughing and sneezing and blowing her nose, and always fetch up at the stand just about a neck ahead, as near as you could cipher it down. And he had a little small bull pup that to look at him you'd think he weren't worth a cent, but to sit around and look ordinary and lay for a chance to steal something, but as soon as money was up on him, he was a different dog. His under jaw begin to stick out like the focastle of a steamboat, and his teeth would uncover and shine like the furnaces. and a dog might tackle him and bullyrag him and bite him and throw him over his shoulder two or three times, and Andrew Jackson, which was the name of the pup. Andrew Jackson would never let on but what he was satisfied, and hadn't expected nothing else. And the bets being doubled and doubled on the other side all the time, till the money was all up, and then all of a sudden he would grab that other dog just by the joint of his hind leg and freeze to it. Not chaw, you understand, but only just grip and hang on till they throwed up the sponge if it was a year. Smiley always come out winter on that pup, till he harnessed a dog once that didn't have no hind legs, because they'd been sawed off in a circular saw, and when the thing had gone along far enough and the money was all up, and he'd come to make a snatch for his pet Holt, he'd see in a minute how he'd been imposed on, and how the other dog had him in the door, so to speak. And he peered surprised, and then he looked sort of discouraged-like, and didn't try no more to win the fight, and so he got shucked out bad. He gave Smiley a look as much as to say his heart was broke, and it was his fault for putting up a dog that had not no hind legs for him to take hold of, which was his main dependence in a fight. And then he limped off a piece and lay down and died. He was a good pup was that Andrew Jackson, and would have made a name for himself if he'd lived for the stuff was in him, and he had genius. I know it because he hadn't no opportunities to speak of, and it don't stand a reason that a dog can make such a fight as he could under them circumstances if he hadn't no talent. It always makes me feel sorry when I think of that last fight of hisn and the way it turned out well. This year, Smiley had rat terriers and chicken cocks and tomcats and all them kind of things till you couldn't rest, and you couldn't fetch nothing for him to bet on, but he'd match you. He catched a frog one day and took him home and said he calculated to educate him, and so he never done nothing for three months but sit in his backyard and learn that frog to jump, and you bet he did learn him too. He'd give him a little punch behind, and the next minute you'd see that frog whirling in the air like a doughnut. See him turn one somerset, or maybe a couple, if he got a good start, and come down flat footed and all right, like a cat. He got him up so in the matter of catching flies, and kept him in practice so constant that he'd nail a fly every time as fur as he could see him. Smiley said all a frog wanted was education, and he could do most anything. And I believe him. Why, I've seen him set Danel Webster down here on this floor. Daniel Webster was the name of the frog, and sing out "'Flies, Dan'l, flies!' "'And quicker than you could wink, "'he'd spring straight up and snake a fly off on the counter there "'and flop down on the floor again as salt as a gob of mud "'and fall to scratchin' the side of his head with his hind foot, "'as indifferent as if he had no idea "'he'd been doing any more than any frog might do. "'You never see a frog so modest and straightforward as he was, "'for all he was so gifted. "'And when it come to fair and square jumping on a dead level, he could get over more ground at one straddle than any animal of his breed you ever see. Jumping on a dead level was his strong suit, you understand, and when it come to that, Smiley would ante up money on him as long as he had a red. Smiley was monstrous proud of his frog, and well he might be, for fellers that had traveled and been everywhere's all said he laid over any frog that ever they see. Well, Smiley kept the beast in the little lattice box, and he used to fetch him downtown sometimes and lay for a bet. One day a feller, a stranger in the camp he was, come across him with his box and says, What might be that you've got in the box? And Smiley says, sort of indifferent, like, It might be a parrot, or it might be a canary, maybe, but it ain't. It's only just a frog. And the feller took it and looked at it careful and turned it round this way and that and says, Hmm, so tis. Well, what's he good for? Well, Smiley says, easy and careless, he's good enough for one thing. I should judge he can outjump any frog in Calaveras County. The feller took the box again and took another long particular look and give it back to Smiley and says, very deliberate. Well, he says, I don't see no pints about that frog that's any better than any other frog. Maybe you don't, Smiley says. Maybe you understand frogs, and maybe you don't understand them. Maybe you've had experience, and maybe you ain't only an amateur, as it were. Anyways, I've got my opinion, and I'll risk $40 that he can out-jump any frog in Calaveras County. And the feller studied a minute, and then says, kinder of sad-like, Well, I'm only a stranger here, and I ain't got no frog, but if I had a frog, I'd bet you. And then Smiley says, That's all right, that's all right, if you'll hold my box a minute, I'll go and get you a frog. And so the feller took the box, and put up his forty dollars along with smileys, and sat down to wait. So he sat there a good while, thinking and thinking to himself, and then he got the frog out, and pried his mouth open, and took a teaspoon and filled him full of quail shot, filled him pretty near up to his chin, and set him on the floor. Smiley, he went out to the swamp and slopped around in the mud for a long time, and finally he catched a frog and fetched him in and gave him to this feller, and says, Now, if you're ready, set him alongside of Daniel with his four paws just even with Daniel's, and I'll give the word. Then he says, One, two, three, get. And him and the feller touched up the frogs from behind, and the new frog hopped off lively. But Dan'll give a heave and heist it up his shoulders, so, like a Frenchman. But it weren't no use. He couldn't budge. He was planted as solid as a church, and he couldn't no more stir than if he was anchored out. Smiley was a good deal surprised, and he was disgusted, too. But he didn't have no idea what the matter was, of course. The feller took the money and started away. And when he was going out the door, he sort of jerked his thumb over his shoulder, so at Dan'l, and says again, very deliberate, Well, he says, I don't see no points about that frog that's any better than any other frog. Smiley, he stood scratching his head and looking down at Dan'l a long time, and at last says, I do wonder what in the nation that frog throwed off for. I wonder if there ain't something the matter with him. He appears to look mighty baggy somehow. And he catched Daniel up by the nap of the neck and hefted him and says, Why, blame my cats if he don't weigh five pounds. And turned him upside down and he belched out a double handful of shot. And then he see how it was. And he was the maddest man. He set the frog down and took out after that feller. But he never catched him. And here Simon Wheeler heard his name called from the front yard. "'and got up to see what was wanted. "'And turning to me, as he moved away, he said, "'Just set where you are, stranger, and rest easy. "'I ain't gonna be gone a second.' "'But by your leave, I did not think "'that a continuation of the history "'of the enterprising vagabond Jim Smiley "'would be likely to afford me much information "'concerning the Reverend Leonidas W. Smiley, "'and so I started away. "'At the door, I met the sociable wheeler returning.' And he buttonholed me and recommenced. Well, this year Smiley had a yaller one-eyed cow that didn't have no tail, only just a short stump like a banana. And, however, lacking both time and inclination, I did not wait to hear about the afflicted cow, but took my leave. The end. I hope you liked tonight's bedtime story for adults. The Celebrated Jumping Frog of Calaveras County, written by Mark Twain. Well, that little story right there is really what started it all for Mark Twain. It was originally published in the Saturday Press in 1865. There's only one thing that disappoints me a little bit about that story. I kind of want to know more about the one-eyed yeller cow that didn't have no tail, only just a short stump like a banana. Oh, well. Even though you're an adult, you can remember how to use your imagination, right? If not, get a child to help you. I'm Kevin Hayes, the story man. I'll be back tomorrow night to read you another bedtime story. But for tonight, good night.